Thank you, everybody. Here we go. Hey, I'm just so glad to see you here this morning. I just want to tell you that I love you, and I'm excited for what God has for us this morning. Hey, graduates, man, we are just so proud of you. We are just so honored for you to be part of our church family, and we want you to know that we're here for you. We want you to know that through life, this church right here loves you, cares about you, and wants you to be just aware that this is a safe place. Travel when you go live, you know that this this can be home. Okay, you with me? Hey, I want you guys to. Hey, Ethan, what's up, dude? Hey, uh, I got some for you later. <laughs> I want you guys to go to the book of Daniel, chapter three. Okay, so if you got your Bible, I want you to go to Daniel chapter three. This morning we're going to brag on the Lord Jesus. Absolutely. 
but it was going to take a process. And so what they had decided was that it would take three years to train these guys to learn language, to learn occult magic sometimes, just very interesting ways that they want to integrate these Jewish boys into the culture. The first one was a name change. And so all of these guys, these four guys I named, they had a name that would reflect um, just who God was. For instance, the name Daniel means God is my judge. And they said, you know, we're going to take these Jewish names and we're going to give them a new identity. So Daniel's name was called Belteshazzar. Now, thankfully, my family stuck with the name Daniel. They kept Daniel, thankfully. But with Hananiah, he became Shadrach. Mishael became Meshach. And Azariah became Abednego. And all of these name changes would reflect a Babylonian god named Aku. A-K-U. Like, who is Aku? Who is like Aku? Whenever the former names were, who is like God? So, even after that, these men are witnessing a name change. But guess what? Their name was not their identity. Who they were wasn't in their name. Who they were was who God said they were. They found their foundation in God. So the cool thing is, is that in this time where Nebuchadnezzar is trying to change everything about them, these four gentlemen stayed strong in who God was. And one of the things they did was they wanted to have these guys wanted to give them training to where they adapt and kind of get further into the culture. And by doing that, they wanted to give them bad food, food that had been dedicated to idols. And so if you remember this particular story in Daniel chapter 1, you remember that the four guys said, we're not doing that. We're not going to eat this food. We don't want to be rebellious, so still give us food. Give us fruit and veggies and water. And we promise that after 10 days of this little test, we'll be able to see that God is still going to take care of us and still make us strong. So, of course, after 10 days, they were able to see, you know, wow, these guys are actually stronger than everybody else. They're just a cream of the crop. Bible says they're very handsome, very strong, very athletic, but it wasn't those characteristics that made them stand out. It was their faith that God was true. They had a reverence for God. And after three years, these four men got elevated to an incredible position. They became administrators, the Bible says, to the king, to the wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar. So some time goes on. And Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3 decides, you know what? I think it's about time to have a big holiday for myself. So let's continue on with the story and look at Daniel chapter 3. Are you with me? Are you with me? Here we go. It says that Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold the height of which was 60 cubits, and it's with 6 cubits. So that's about 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So if you can picture it, there's a huge gold statue, pretty big, it's not tall, you know, it's skinny, it could be pretty massive on this big plain, not in a big field. And then Nebuchadnezzar king sent word to assemble the satraps, prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king and set up. So he's calling the game. He wants everybody there. He goes, what, what are you? I'm a satrap. Yeah, you come too. <laughs> then the satraps, the prefects, and the whole rest of the game, they were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
And then the herald loudly proclaims so that everybody can hear. To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, you hear the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar King has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Now, graduates, listen to me. The world is going to want you to bow down and do things that you know are wrong. The world is going to say, submit to us, to the ways of the enemy. Now, the world never just come around and say, hey, rebel against God. But if you know anything about this world, you know that it hates God. That God's ways are not the ways of the world. And so the temptation to fall and to bend the knee, hey, we all know that's a serious deal. It's something that we have to face. And the world will tempt us and say, if you don't bow to the ways of the world, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on things. But what they'll never tell you is what it will cost you to bend the knee to do things that are going up against what God has you to do. And so these men know, all these people, all these leaders out in this field, they know it's bow or die. Bow or die. So verse 7 says, Therefore at that time, when all the people heard all the music, all the people's nations and men of every language, they fell down and they worshipped the gold image that Nebuchadnezzar king had set up. And for this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans, and the Chaldeans were just leaders within the Babylonian government, they came forward and brought charges against the Jews. And they responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar, O oh, king, live forever. You, O oh, king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of all different kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. But there are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. So we see these three men. I mean, can you just picture for a second? You're in this huge, big field. All of a sudden, you know what you're supposed to do. The second the music hits, you get down. Can you imagine those guys just kind of standing there? Whoa! What tremendous faith! Now, where was Daniel? We don't know. But we do know that the three men were present and they knew what they were doing. It was a serious deal. They knew the cost. So, verse 13 says Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar responded to them and said, Is it true, you guys, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trumpet, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well, then very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands, 
who can save you from myself? Listen to these guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. They basically say, we don't have to defend ourselves. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of life and fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But, even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. What a tremendous faith. These men who say, if God saves us, wow, fantastic. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to die. Now, I have to ask myself, I'm going to ask you as well, what do you think it was in their hearts that made them realize that living and honoring the Lord, even if it cost them their life, was worth it, over than just simply bowing down and worshiping them because of what was it? I'll tell you what I think it was. I think it's because they had experienced real eternal life by following God. I think because they knew God personally. There was no alternative. There was no other option for them. Why settle for disobedience when they knew the power of what it means to obey God? Here's my question for you this morning. Do you know real eternal life? Do you know what it truly means to live alongside Jesus in a relationship with Him. See, the thing is, what happens to us is when we're tempted, we forget that if we know true life, if, as Jesus said, He is the bread of life, if we've taken Him and said, everything that you offer Jesus, I want your forgiveness, your love, your lordship, I want it. When we have received this new life, because remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. And then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, and their caps, and their other clothes, and they were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And for this reason, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shire and Shire and let go. Did you catch that? It said that some valiant men rounded up the boys and threw them into the fire. And then when they got close to the furnace, those guys died. I guess you could say that because was plan backfired. Well, uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly. Verse 23 says, these men, Jared, Meshach, and Benigo, they fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. And the Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. Could you imagine? He's just sitting there watching. He's prepared to watch these men burn. And all of a sudden he stands up. And he said to his officials, Was it not three men? We cast down into the midst of the fire, and they said, Certainly, O king. And he said, Look, I see a fourth man loose and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. He had no idea what was going on. The Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire, and he responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out in the midst of the fire. Could you imagine that scene? Could you imagine these men walking around in the furnace? They're just not even harmed. Verse 27 says, The satraps and the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their heads singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. They didn't even smell smoky. Then the king has a response and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and the Lord of the servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yield up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation or tongue, that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. And then the king caused Shadrach and Shadrach and Abednego to prosper in the presence of the province of Babylon. Wow. What a tremendous story. How often do we hear stories like that? Well, that's very, that's very interesting. But I want to dissect some things with you for a couple minutes. Here we have some men who had such a reverence for God, who had such an understanding of who God was, that they were willing to go even to death for him. I want to ask you a question. Is there anything that would make the cost of following Jesus too difficult for you? I was reflecting on that earlier this week. I thought, what would it take for me to go, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do it. This cost is too high, Lord. I'm going to have to validate. Are there little things during the week that we've 
This is in Romans chapter 8, that the sign that you walk with God is that He lives inside you. Thank you. 
if I've accepted Jesus, if I've really taken everything he offers and brought that into my life, and I realize all these other things, they'll never add up to what I truly need. I'll never be fully fulfilled. Jeremy, Shem, and Benio were willing to put the things that the world had offered inside because they are the best. Friends and neighbors, when we know that Jesus is the best, what else do we need? We can stand for him because we know the alternative is not worth it. So let me ask you this question again. Is the cost of following Jesus worth it to you? For these guys that we read in April 3, it was worth it. Is he worth it? I'm going to give you guys a crazy, sad stat. 1%, 1% of students who graduate from high school still actively go to church. 1% continue to go to church while they're in college. That is a very sad stat. Is that going to be, or are you going to stand and do what you know is right? And honor the Lord and be obedient and grow even though no one else is going to tell you to, even though no one else is going to be watching you, are you going to be able to check and check and say, I'm going to do what's right. Because the cost of following Jesus, I'll take up that cost and I'll follow him. Here's what I want us to do. For those of us who are not graduating today, we still have the same opportunity like our friends who graduated. And we still have that opportunity to say, God, I'm going to follow you. God, I want to stand up for you, even when no one else will. It would have been really tempting to see thousands of people bow and go, oh, I guess I will too. May we be a church that stands. May we stand. May FBC bring you stand. I want to give you an opportunity to pray. Altar's open. Pastor Corey will be down here somewhere. What I want you to do is to ask God if there's anything in your life that's in the smoke. Guess what? He loves you so much. He's already promised that if we come to him, he'll forgive us and make us clean. Amen? First John 1 9. Let's go to If there's anything in our life, any compromise, anything that we're hungry for that we know is not fulfilling us, let's be willing to say, God, I want you to be the one who fulfills me. I don't need anything else. Are you with me?